All right, good morning or good afternoon, everybody. Today is Monday, May the 10th, 2021, and there's actually quite a bit of news because, um, I mean, a lot of things have happened, and on top of that, I think it's been a couple days since we've done a a news episode, so let's uh, get right into it. So first off, the Taliban have now captured two military bases in Afghanistan already um, ever since troops, U.S. troops started to withdraw. Again, uh, this keeps being reported, in my humble opinion, as I always say too, and I think many others agree, it comes down to perspective. Do you think we should be uh, the West or the United States itself? Because again, you know, Canada, England, they have troops there too. Um, should they be in uh, in Afghanistan or should they not? It just comes down to that, right? The local people there that are just trying to live out their lives and not do any harm, uh, is that, you know, the, the problem of America and the West or is it not? So that's really what it comes down to. I, I don't want to speak on this too much because we've discussed it, I think, two or three times already in the last couple of weeks. Uh, the next thing is that 25 were killed and 52 others were wounded in an explosion in Afghanistan near a high school for girls in the Afghan capital. Again, it, it's the same thing. It, it's unfortunately, um, it's, it's just going to continue to be a mess over there. So it's... I don't know. There's people that say you can never solve the problems of the Middle East. Other people say you can. Other people say it's going to take tens, if not literally hundreds of years of uh, peace talks and dialogue. And all it takes is one little thing to screw it up. It's it's very fragile, very fragile. And it's unfortunate to see these types of bombings and things like that, too. I mean, it, we can call it radicalism, extremism, whatever you want to call it. But it's just very unfortunate. Uh, the next thing is that there were a, there was a cyber attack that forced a shutdown of one of the U.S.'s largest pipelines that carries gas from Texas to New York. Now, what's interesting about this too is that it was uh, it forced Biden to loosen regulations so that there's now uh, no transportation issues regarding you know uh, fuel transportation. But the group that hacked the pipelines in uh, from a digital sense and a cyber sense is a type of um, criminal gang, if you will, cyber gang that sort of um, prides themselves in being sort of a Robin Hood type group in the sense that they take the money from hacking and things like that from the rich and the corporations and they give it to the poor. I guess it depends where where everybody stands on that. I mean, look, at the end of the day, uh, if they're going to disrupt things economically, that's, that's different. But if they're, I mean, look, I'm speaking from the, the common man or woman, as many of you are it's perspective, right? I mean, who wouldn't, uh, some people will in the Robin Hood scenario, some people will take the money from, you know, quote unquote, Robin Hood metaphorically, in this case, the cyber group and just claim they didn't know where the money came from. Uh, it, it really comes down to philosophy, morals, belief, and things like that, right? I guess it's all, it's all context based. But anyways, the next thing is that Louis Elizondo said the UFO conversation, and I quote, should get interesting in the next 30 days, end quote. So, Look, those are his words, not mine. Excuse me. We'll um, we'll see what happens, and uh, and we'll take it from there. I I do want to say very quickly that um, I think Louis Elizondo knows quite a bit. Uh, I don't think he knows you know a full extent of certain things, but I think he has a very strong foundation and understanding of what's going on, and he's watching his words because in a lot of ways he probably fears for his life, but. Just my humble opinion. Uh, the next thing is that both Democrats and Republicans have voted in Congress to make aid, sending aid to Israel militarily and financially unconditional. This has come after massive eruption regarding Israel conducting some questionable um, military acts against its adversaries in the Middle East. Now, 
look, I, I'm not trying to say I told you so because no one really spoke out against me. Um, but I, I mean, I had a feeling, a very strong feeling that the U.S. was not going to cut aid to Israel whatsoever. I mean, for so many different reasons, we've gone over many different times. But again, it's the it's basically the U.S.'s um, own version of a very strong military base in the Middle East. On top of that, there's a ton of intelligence connections with the Mossad. There, you know, uh, financially, economically, um, the Jewish people have a lot of strong ties in the business world, which sort of ties in in America on the intelligence side of things. So there's too much, in my humble opinion, intermingling going on there for for aid to be cut like that. Um, but anyways, uh, so let's see here. Now, the next thing, in addition to that, the Palestinians are bracing for an Israeli military march uh, as hundreds were hurt in Al-Aqsa. Hopefully I said that correctly. Look, again, this whole thing with Israel and Palestine, it, that's why the, the UN has also said that Israel may be conducting some questionable acts that may fall under human rights violations and all that. And all that. Look, in pure theory, may, are they possibly? I, I think so, maybe. Um, I don't want to say for sure unless I'm actually on the ground there because, again, we have to be vigilant of the reporting. With that being said, the UN can talk all they want. Un unless the US agrees with it, nothing's happening to Israel, in my humble opinion. But, you know, we'll see. Uh, the next thing is that... Oh, and on top of that, one final thing is that there were rockets fired at Jerusalem. Nobody was hurt, but the sirens did go off in uh, South Jerusalem. So all politicians had to leave the the Israeli parliament uh, parliamentary building. Again, this is what happens when you're surrounded by your enemies. I know I'm not trying to defend Israel, but at the same time, I'm not trying to go against them. If we take a totally neutral stance, we have to look at it like it's a chess game. Who made the first move? Who made the counter move? And again, it depends how far back you want to look, and it depends on our perception of the situation. Are we just looking, you know, the last six months? Are we looking the last six years? Are we looking the last 60 years? right between Israel and their their surrounding adversaries geographically. So uh, the next thing, let's take a look here, is that... Um, uh, the Kentucky Derby winner failed uh, their drug test. I mean, look, if maybe this is an oversimplification, but the way that I see things is that in any sport, if all the players are basically using the same steroids or drugs, it's equal. It's even, right? So now it's one thing if there, you have two or three athletes uh, um, using something, a performance enhancer, and the other athletes don't have access to that drug or they chose not to use it. Very different story. But if everybody gets tested, I'm not just saying the Kentucky Derby, if everyone gets tested, for example, the uh, the Lance Armstrong incident, how he got his medals taken away all those years ago uh, for, for, you know, juicing and uh, what, the, what they call in the the athletes world, you know, taking your vitamins, as they say, that's, that's slang for steroids and performance enhancers. If they're all taking it, I mean, isn't that pretty even at that point? But again, we have to assume that most of them are. So, you know, uh, I mean, it's just like the MLB, they take steroids in the MLB. People like to look at bodybuilding all the time too, uh, which is true. They use steroids as well, but we can't take away the hard work that gets put into it. So, uh, the next thing is that Norway is cons very strongly considering dropping both AstraZeneca and Johnson and Johnson from the uh, the vaccine list. So, uh, so th this comes after the eighth death that has to that had to have been linked in Norway. That sorry was linked to um, AstraZeneca and Johnson and Johnson with blood clotting. They basically said, okay, we're hitting eight deaths now. This is getting a bit concerning, and we were pretty sure there's a link here. So, um, and this is between people all the way from their mid 30s to the late 80s amongst these eight deaths, by the way. So, again, it, each country has the right to say and do what they feel in terms of if they should ban a vaccine or should not ban a vaccine. So, hey, um, at the same time, too, I also got a notification just now. Um, 
granted from CNN. Like I said, I get alerts from both left, right, self-proclaimed center, uh, you know, mainstream media, you name it, just to get an idea. And uh, apparently there's a lot of empty vaccination spots in the U.S. now because people who got the first dose do not want to take the second one for many different reasons. Some people don't want to go through this, uh, you know, the, the hassle of being uh, sick from the side effects for anywhere from one day to a week or two, right? Some people just don't trust it. Some, some people think uh, one is enough. Other people uh, took the first one and then they regret it. So look, I, I had a feeling this was going to happen. Um, and also, I wanted to bring up something interesting as well, too. I was going to report on this, but I might as well just bring it in now, uh, transition into it. There was a priest that held a... Um, in, in Canada here where I live, and uh, there was a priest that held a mass for Easter a few weeks ago, from my understanding, two or three weeks ago, and what ended up happening was the Canadian police, the RCMP, the feds, um, stands for Royal Canadian Mounted Police, came into the church uh, planning to arrest the priest, but the people in the church actually said, listen, if you're going to, they booed the police out of there. And they basically said to the cops, if you're going to arrest the priest, you better arrest all of us too. So the cops did not arrest the priest. And then that was it. Now, as of, I believe yesterday or the day before, I think it was yesterday because, uh, it was Sunday. I, you know, uh, Christian Catholic priests usually, usually hold mass on Sundays. Um, the, the police then pulled a, a different move. They waited till the mass was over and then they pulled the, the, um, the priest over on the highway and then arrested him in the middle of the highway and it made uh, American news and all that. Uh, well, again, I say that carefully because there's certain outlets that won't report on it, uh, but certain American outlets are calling it the Canadian Gestapo and look, everyone's got a right to their opinion and there's a lot of things that have been going on here that has not been reported globally or even nationally in Canada, I will tell you. That, I mean, look, maybe Gestapo is too strong of a word, but I'm not sure. At this point, it's pretty bad. Now, what's interesting is that the other provinces within Canada are also locking down, but they've quietly lifted flight restrictions, which is interesting. So traveling within the country, you don't have to do this quarantine at a hotel and a cop follows you and follows up on you and all that kind of bullshit. So again, we'll we'll see what happens there. So um, yeah, I mean, look... I, my opinion on this is that from what I'm seeing talking to people all around the world with regards to just lockdowns or not, the whole debate about that is very, very simple. Now, I personally am in a position uh, where I feel that I could say, look, country by country, town by town, city by city, region by region, state by state, province by province, if the people want to open up, the government should say, look, let's assume this virus is real. Okay, folks, the, as, as real as they say it is. The government should say, look, let's, this is just my opinion. Here are all the possible things that could happen. If you want to take the risk, go ahead. Businesses, big or small, it's up to you if you want to open up or not and let everyone just do what they want. If people want to go out and wear masks, let them wear masks. If people want to go out and not wear masks, let them not wear masks. If people want to take the risk of getting sick, as this allegedly is, then let them take the chance. Because at this point, I feel like, you know, you have 50% of the people not just in Canada, but around the world saying open up, the other 50% are saying no lockdown. When you have it really right down the middle in a very polarized opinion like that, um, I mean, hey, you should just let the people do what they want. And maybe some, maybe you'll have a town that's sort of open, sort of not, but at least some people are getting, you know, they get to go outside and do what they've been, they've been wanting to do. But, you know, um, and it, look, maybe my explanation or my thinking is flawed there, but I... I this is what I'm getting at at this point, because now we're seeing uh, lockdowns get pushed more and more and people are saying, is this ever going to end? So at this point, I, I can't just sit back and say, well, I want to wait for this to be over to formulate my opinion. As it stands, that's my opinion. Um, the next thing is that, uh, let's see here. Um, 
the uh, let's Dogecoin dropped 24% Saturday night alone after Elon Musk called it a hustle. But then at the same time, as of today, I think late last night or early this morning, Elon Musk announced that he's going to put a literal Dogecoin on the moon in the next handful of years, and they will they will be paying for this trip. They will be funding the the mission uh, with Dogecoin. It's going to be called Doge One, uh, Doge Dash One. So I want to see if the stock um, or not if the stock the um, if the currency actually increases. I know a lot of people were bummed out about the significant drop this past weekend, but I'm sure a lot of people are still hanging in there, right? Uh, the next thing is that Chinese exports are soaring as the U.S. is recovering economically, but India stalls. I mean, look, this is what, what I was saying, right? Just like with people opening up and, and not choosing to open up, you're going to have some countries that are going to do well, other countries, they're not going to do well. This is just the way, um, I guess, a, a bounce back, if you will, a global economic bounce back would work. But Again, at the same time, there, there's a lot of controversy going on around the world with many different things. So tensions um, are high, and that that makes for an interesting angle on an intelligence uh, aspect. The next thing is that, oh, also I forgot to mention, Elon Musk announced that he had Asperger's on Saturday Night Live. I think he said he claimed he was the first person to host Saturday Night Live who had Asperger's. I feel like I've heard this before. I, I know that not a lot of people knew this, but I thought I heard this that he was diagnosed with Asperger's in 2001 or something, and he used that as motivation to keep, to hustle day in and day out. I feel like that's, I feel like I've heard this, but I could be wrong according to, well, can't always trust the media, but according to the media, this is the first time he said it, but I don't know. Um, the next thing is that French soldiers have warned of a civil war in a newly revealed letter. The letter accused the French government of granting concessions to, um, to too many Islamist, uh, I guess we could say, cultural ideologies, if you will. Over 130,000 soldiers signed this petition. Now, the French government responded by saying that because these signatures were anonymous, it was cowardly, and if these soldiers really felt that way, then they should actually put their their name on the signature too. Um, look, the this is the this is democracy people their voice the republic they're voicing their opinion um it's a good start i would say if this is what they feel and this is nothing against islam or any religion this would be applied to any culture ethnicity religion beliefs ideologies of a country or a nation if this is what they feel they have voiced their opinion but now the question then becomes how serious are some people taking this civil war concept and i say that because it's not just france that, that that's going through this with regards to people, you know, being frightened with a potential civil war and some people actually saying it might need to happen, getting violent, right, which is concerning a lot of governments, which is what I would argue is one of the angles that's leading to this censorship. And I'm not encouraging violence whatsoever. I don't condone violence at all. But in some cases, when you have a um, enough people protesting, but the government's not listening, what do the people and by the way, I say, I'm saying this carefully, because I'm not trying to encourage violence, but if you have, say, for example, you know, uh, half a million people at a protest, right, which which has happened recently, you know, in the hundreds of thousands, you have a protest going on like that and the, about, you know, some type of lockdown or some type of rule or something like this. And the government doesn't make any adjustment, not that they have to cave into the protesters, but at least hear them out and say, OK, can can we meet halfway at, at you know, let's negotiate or something like this so that we can make you a little bit happier and try to balance everything out here. Right. And I'm not it's easier said than done. I get that. But when the government and I'm not saying the French government, I mean, in general, but when the government doesn't listen at all people start to get violent because they feel they have no other choice they feel like they're doing the peaceful protests 
And a lot of protesters go right out and they get violent right away. So I'm not endorsing that. I'm talking about the people that protest peacefully, excuse me, for days and days and days, and then weeks and weeks and weeks, and then their government doesn't do anything, right? And I'm not saying the government has to cave to them, but again, try to meet them and understand them halfway a little bit, right? Relate with the people. Just goes to show you how out of touch a lot of these elites are to these politicians and all that. What do the people do after that? They have to, they, they feel they have to get violent because the gov- their government, they feel, is not hearing them. So again, it, I'm not claiming to have the answer. I'm just saying I, under- I understand what the next step would be because what else would there be? I mean, and I'm not endorsing it, but again, if we put ourselves in the mind of people that are really fed up around the world, you know, so... Uh, the next thing is that there was a man killed in a gang shooting at uh, an airport uh, at the Vancouver airport in Canada. Now, the reason why this has actually made global news on the BBC and stuff is because, look, the gangs run rampant in Vancouver. Vancouver is a beautiful place, but it run, the, the heroin trade, the drug trade, cartels, Vancouver in Canada is probably number one. It used to be Montreal. Now it's Vancouver. It's, it's anyways, it's a mess over there with all the gangs and stuff. You don't even need to be involved in that stuff to know that uh, just by living there, you'll know, but. With that being said, the reason why this made such big news was because the guy was literally shot point blank in an airport. So, I mean, that, that doesn't happen too often. You know, sometimes they'll, they'll, they'll kill someone on the way to an airport or leaving an airport, but never at the actual airport itself. This was right at the airport itself. Again, um, tons of security cameras and things like that, but it, people, people are ruthless, man. Some people are. Unfortunately, that's, that's life, you know? Um, The next thing is that China is going to set up a separation line, as they call it, on Mount Everest to prevent climbers mingling with others from Nepal. You know, you see, I have to say, taking a massive step back, guys, and looking at the big picture of what countries are doing for a for a world as or as a species of humanity trying to do this new one world order thing. A lot of countries are really isolating themselves whether it's because of different culture, cultural reasons, political reasons, economic reasons, um, possible military tensions. I mean, this isn't, I mean, it's not so much a, a one world uh, government or one world order, as they say, when, when you got stuff like this going on. Kind of ironic, isn't it? Um, the next thing is that the doctor that treated Navalny last year from dying uh, when he was uh, allegedly poisoned was found in a Siberian forest alive, uh, about 20 kilometers from a, a base over there, uh, or a little camping area. Uh, he went missing, or, uh, okay, so apparently he went hunting, then he went missing, and then nobody could find him, and then all of a sudden it turns out that he's alive. So uh, some initially had accused Putin, Russia, the Kremlin, of having him killed and then covering it up, but hey, I guess not. I mean... The guy was found. There was a there was a search party. To, there was a search team. Don't get me wrong. Helicopters and things like that. But interesting. So the, it, it's an interesting story. There's not too many details that have gone public about it yet. But, you know. Um, and the final thing is that German priests are defying the Vatican's rule, global rules, uh, you know, with global relative to the Christian community, uh, by they are now blessing same-sex couples, uh, both um, lesbian and gay people. So, you know, a man and man and woman and woman. And um, great, in my opinion, what's wrong with that? This is what I'm saying. And this is what I said, I think, about the Vatican one or two months ago. I'm not a, um, how can I say this? You, you will... You will not see me, for example, in a in a LGBTQ or a, you know gay pride parade or anything like that. Um, 
it's just not my thing personally. With that being said, I have nothing wrong with lesbians or gay people. Like I say, folks, what you do in the bedroom or whatever is not my business. I really don't care. Um, if you want to get married to another man or if a woman wants to get married to another woman, I, I personally have no problem with that. I, I Seriously, and I've said this many times before, um, I just don't go to the to the parades and that kind of stuff just because I've never been. Like That's why I said you'll never find me there. But um, yeah, I mean... Again, what you do, for example, I, I, I have many friends that are actually around here locally before I started the show uh, that are married and they're gay. And you know what? They're some of the nicest people you'll ever meet, which is why I'm saying this whole thing of the Vatican. And I know all you know this, by the way, but I'm just trying to say uh, I'm speaking towards this the Vatican's old school way of thinking. They're saying it goes against God. But meanwhile, they're trying to recruit more people into the religion, saying we don't have as many people as we used to. Yeah, by doing this, it's not going to help it. By by banning same-sex marriages, it's not going to help it. So, look, if these these German priests are defying it, good. Just move on with life. That's it. It's simple. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I don't I don't understand. I, I never had an issue with, with, with lesbian people, gay people, um, trans people, stuff like that. So, <laughs> you know... Um, and that's it for today. And uh, yeah, we'll catch all of you later today for a members episode. And uh, and we'll catch all of you uh, later. Cheers.